Just finished singing Amazing Grace, and I love it when Lance includes the verses that John Newton wrote that most, most of the time don't get sung. For those of you who, who know the story, John Newton had been a slave trader in Africa and had been a brutal, wicked man, and he got saved, and he wrote the words that are just ageless, Amazing Grace. And I think when you look back on how slavery ended in the United States, I think there were people of faith primarily who looked at, at human beings placed in chains and sold like property, and people of faith said, that's not right. That shouldn't be. And there were those who were willing to lay down their lives and, and, and give their funds and whatever was necessary to end slavery. And I, I listened to Irwin talk a few moments ago about a big city, a city that, that's the size of Wichita larger. And no church. When I drove here this morning, I passed several churches just in this side of town. And that's good. I'm thankful for that. But can you imagine what it would be like to live in a city like Wichita and drive all around town and not find a single place where Jesus' name is being told or preached? You think about this. 6.6 billion people in the world, half of them have never even heard the name of Jesus. And Dr. Gibbs was sharing with us that 70% have never heard the story of the gospel. And that makes all the difference in the universe. And I, I just believe that people of faith, when we see, I think about half the children of the world do not know the name of Jesus. Just like people of faith rose up in the 19th century and said, slavery is wrong. I think people of faith would rise up and say, in this age where we have global communication and global travel within 24 hours, it's just not right that half the world has never heard Jesus' name. It's not right that 7 out of 10 people have never heard that they can be forgiven. And so that's what this whole conference is about. That's why we're blocking off an entire weekend here at Messiah. And when you came in this morning, you received something you don't normally receive. It's just a little card. And let me tell you, if you've never seen one of these cards, what they're all about. Messiah is concerned, obviously, about reaching our community. We talk about that all the time, but we're passionately concerned about reaching those people who've never heard about Jesus. And the only way that we can do that is to help send missionaries like Irwin, and, and you're going to meet several this weekend, to help send them to the, to the field, uh, to the nations of the world, where they can take the story of Jesus. And quite honestly, it's an expensive project. And I'm going to ask you this morning, by faith, to help them. And the way we're set up here at Messiah, we, we help support somewhere around 175 missionaries all over the world today. So, you know, when you come in, you see that envelope in the pew back in front of you, and it says tithes and offerings, and that goes to local ministry. And then when you look at world evangelism or missions there, that's what we're doing to help these missionaries go all over the world. And so we ask you to, to think about that, and by faith, ask the Lord what he would help you to do every week. And so what we're, what we're asking you to do today is just to pray about, say, God, what would you have me to do for the next 52 weeks? Now, for some of you, you may give it an annual, an annual gift, and that's fine. But if you would help us for budget purposes, would you break it up into 52? Or if you give it 12 times a year, if you give it monthly, if you'll still break it up on a weekly basis so that it will help us. And, and one thing I always say to you guys, I don't set the missions budget. No board of elected men set it. You set it. And, uh, you know, faith promise is not just going to your checkbook and thinking, what can I afford to give after I've, you know, paid all my bills and everything. Faith promise is something different from that. It's you asking God, Lord, what can I give by faith? There it is back there behind me. You know, we've been talking about it. If, if I believed you for this amount of money and you supplied it, I'd give it to the cause of world evangelism. And when you do that, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts because God can give you gifts and blessings that you don't even know about. So this is just a matter of faith. 
One thing I'd love to just make very, very clear today, this is not a pledge because it is by faith. You know, if you're believing that God's going to supply the funds and he doesn't supply, no one's ever going to come ask you for it. In fact, you don't even have to put your name on this. The only reason we need the cards is to help us project what we'll be doing for the next 12 months. So you don't have to put your name on this. Nobody will ever stalk you or come and ask you for it. It's just a matter of faith between you and God. And like I've been sharing the last two nights, if you were to come to me and say, Mark, what should I give to world evangelism? I wouldn't even give you a hint because this is something so sacred and so precious it should be between you and God. Because, see, we just believe that while God is working here in this city and doing so many awesome things through Messiah, we want God to, to bless the Santosas the same way. We want to see God raise up churches like this in New Zealand, you know, in Thailand, all over the world. And so uh, just think about that. Dr. Gibbs will talk to you about it in a few more moments. And, and then at the end, when we have our normal offering, if you'll just drop this card in the offering plate or in the boxes at the back doors there at the bottom of the staircases, then we'll, we'll know, and you'll help us know, how we can stretch out and reach more people for Jesus Christ. Now, I don't usually have a business meeting on Sunday mornings, but we need to for just a few moments because I just was so taken with Brother Santoso's message this morning, weren't you? And um, he talked about business. To me, I, I want to invest in something that's got long-term potential. Do you know what I mean by that? I mean, a lot of people just want to make some kind of quick investment. I want something that will pay off over a long term. I want something that will keep paying off long after we die. And so this church, I love what he talked about business. This church, I believe, should have a piece of what they're doing. Don't you agree? And so it is my motion, and Dan Kubish, who is our mission pastor, seconded that we receive them into our mission family and begin to support them on a monthly basis. If you're in agreement on that, would you let it be known by applause and saying amen, please, this morning? And Irwin, I still want to invest in what you're doing. That's great. It's good to see you after all these years, and we're so thankful. And welcome to our missions family. Our guest speaker this morning is David Gibbs. David Gibbs is the founder and the president of Christian Law Association, and they help ministries, churches, missionary organizations all over the globe with legal issues, and not just that, just good, sound advice. But like I've always said, as Dr. Gibbs comes to preach, he's not, he's not an attorney who preaches. He is a preacher who practices law, and he is awesome at both. Would you help me this morning in welcoming David Gibbs? Oh, if you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn to the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. What an honor, what a delight to get to be here, because this morning we're going to do something that I promise you makes heaven smile. God loves when people have the heart to get the message of the gospel to other people. That makes heaven smile. I don't know about you, I've done some stuff that didn't make my parents smile. How many of y'all ever aggravated your parents a little bit? Oh, yeah. How many of you have children? How many of you have children? How many of you love them more than you could ever say? Yeah. How many of you want to kill them on occasion, right? Just, oh, sure. You know what? Occasionally, we do things that don't cause those who love us to smile. But God says when you have a heart to tell people about 
what Jesus did for them, that literally stirs heaven. Now, he wants us to do it with a cheerful heart. We're about to read a passage of Scripture. And so this morning, can I beg you, if somehow you say, well, I don't like for anybody else to know how to go to heaven. I don't really want to share the gospel. I'm not going to be happy about it. Then don't do it. Because God loves a cheerful giver, the Bible says. Can you imagine if I brought a gift to, to pastor my dear friend and I said, Preacher, I, I got this gift and I just tell you the truth, I don't really much want to give it to you. <laughs> I kind of want to keep it for myself. I'm going to give it to you, but I really, my heart's not in wanting to. I'm, you know what he'd say, David? Keep your gift. <laughs> because what makes a gift special is the heart that gives it. And this morning, boy, I want to beg you. God's looking for somebody to say, I love the Lord, and praise God I'm heaven-bound, and I want to be a part with God in helping other people get heaven-bound. Let's read this passage of Scripture together because I want to share with you three decisions in life that you'll never regret. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, I grew up on farms, and boy, this, this verse authored of God uh, is sure true for every farmer I've ever met. The Bible says, He that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now, this is God talking. And you know what God says? Uh, you put little into things, you'll get very little back. But you sow bountifully, you put a lot in. Well, you'll get a lot back. Now, when I grew up, my family, we planted a lot of corn. And boy, they would deliver all that corn seed. And preacher, I'd watch these semis unloading all that seed. And I'd say, boy, Dad, that is one ton of seed. He said, well, you can't imagine what that's going to produce. He said, once we get that out there, he said, once we put it where it needs to go, it's going to yield a crop. But every one of those kernels of corn is going to produce thousands and thousands more kernels. But you know what? We had to take the seed and get it out there. As long as that stuff sat in the barn, it did nothing. Boy, you could walk in one of our barns where we had all that stuff stacked and you could say, man, this is one ton of corn doing nothing. Once you got it out there and got it sowed, once you got it to the field, that's when it did something. This wonderful young missionary and his dear bride, boy, that stirred me. Boy, praise God, they're going to New Zealand. But you know what? It's getting them there, getting them sowed and getting the gospel message there that's going to make the great difference. I'm thrilled they're in this meeting, but nothing like when we get them out there in New Zealand and let them get at it. Now, your great kindness to us, how I love to be here with you. But boy, when that fire bell rings and we have a, a legal emergency, that's what we go and work on. That's how we're sowed. God says, you do it sparingly, you'll receive sparingly, but do it bountifully. He said, every man, verse 7, 
as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Now hear this, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Hmm. Have you ever watched? I wish you could sit on the platform and watch some offerings be taken. There's some people who look like they're in pain. I mean, when the offering plate comes by, they put something in and it's like they're losing a friend. They, they, they put it in and they say, goodbye, little buddy. You know what God says? I don't want you to do it grudgingly. And I don't want you to do it of necessity. God says, I don't want you to do it because you think you got to do it. He said, I want you to do it cheerfully. I have grandchildren now, and boy, do I love it when they come to me with a present because a grandchild is more excited about the present than you'll ever be. And when they come and say, open mine, open mine, I am so excited. You know what? It doesn't matter to me what the present is. What matters is that child's spirit and what they're doing for me. This morning, God says, would you please get a heart to be excited about reaching this world for what my son died for. About letting people know their sins can be forgiven. That they can spend eternity in heaven. They don't have to spend eternity under judgment. And it's free. It's a free gift. But someone's got to go and tell. God says, don't do it out of necessity. Do it with a cheerful heart. Now, verse 8, here's what I love. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Do you know what God says? If you'll get that heart, and if you'll put it in, God says, I promise you, I promise you, I'll make sure you have to give. In all sufficiency. Now, I can't make you that promise because David Gibbs can't deliver on it. And your wonderful pastor could never deliver on it. But God can deliver on it. And God just says, why don't you take me at my word? Just by faith. Remember, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And God says, I just want you, by faith, to give and then let me give back to you so that you won't have not some sufficiency, but you will have all sufficiency. Three decisions in life no one ever regrets. And boy, I've sure made some decisions I've regretted. How many of you ever made a purchase that aggravated you after you made the buy, Right? Boy, I'll never forget, my wife and I, we bought a car. And, and you know, all he had said, buy this car, you'll be happy. Boy, that, that car, I don't know that I've ever kicked anything in my life, but I kicked that car one day, I got so upset with it. First day we owned it, it caught on fire. 
I mean, I, I am at church showing my new car off. They said, start it up. I started it up. The thing erupted into flames. The church had to call the fire department to come put it out. Man, I didn't know this. There's, there's some kinds of fires that if you take a normal house extinguisher and put it on it, it feeds the fire. Man, they came running out with fire extinguishers. We put it on it, and fire got bigger. Man, I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking, I don't even have the payment book, and it's burning up. Look at this thing. Then when I called the people who sold me the car, they said it was my fault. I said, explain that to me. They said, well, you should have checked that there was no fuel residue on the engine. I said, let me get this right. Every time I start my car, I'm to get out and dry it off? You have got to be kidding me. You know an amazing thing? You can buy something, and it can aggravate you, and you can have regrets. 60% of the people who invest in the stock market lose money. Boy, I mean, they can put money into something and have regrets. Oh, now, they want to tell you about all the people who made money. But you know why most people made money? is because some people didn't make money. The gold rush. Isn't it an amazing thing? I was just up in Alaska, and boy, if you want to do your body a real treat, take your body to Alaska in the wintertime. I was up there. The high for the day was 40 below. That's the high. Boy, I'll tell you what, you do not spend too much time outside at all. You walk outside and it is chilly willy. And, and I'm looking at this and I said, is this the part of Alaska where the gold rush took place? They said, yeah, it is. And, and I said, man, a lot of people got rich. And you know what? They handed me a thing and they said, you cannot believe how overhyped the gold rush was. Listen to this. They said, of the people who tried to get there, 200,000 set out, but only 30,000 made it. And of the 30,000 that made it, only 400 found gold. And of the 400 who found gold, they averaged $20 a head. How many of you think that could be disappointing, right? <laughs> Man, I had this idea that people went up there and made mega fortunes. Life is full of decisions that can bring some regret. But there's three that never bring regret. Decision number one you'll never regret is asking Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Oh, my. It's a free gift. You can't buy it. You can't do one thing to ever deserve it. The only thing you can do is ask the Lord Jesus to be your Savior. You see, your sins are forgiven when you do that. Now, they're not forgiven because God just decides to forget about them. 
Brother Lance up here leading the music. When he asked Jesus to save him, God didn't say to Lance, yeah, you know what? We can forget about your sins. And, and when pastor said, Lord, save me, God didn't say, Brother Mark, that's okay. We'll just forget about yours. When I asked, when my wife asked, God didn't say, I'll forget about your sins. You know what God says? Your sins have been paid for. At Calvary, Jesus didn't die for anything he did wrong. He was sinless. He died for what I did wrong. He died for what Lance has done wrong, for what pastor's done. You see, you are accepting the payment that was made for your sins. Oh, for all eternity, the Bible says, we're going to sing praises to Jesus. And, And let me just say this. If you don't like singing to Jesus while you're here, what are you going to do when you get to heaven? Because if I read my Bible right, for all eternity, we're going to get excited about what Jesus has done. Man, your sins are forgiven. Heaven's your home. And can you imagine, you're not going to be in heaven as a guest. You're going to be there as family. You ever sing that song, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God? No one I've ever met regretted asking Jesus to save them. But there's a second decision. You will never regret sharing the gospel with somebody else. Of telling them how they can go to heaven. Remember, the reason you know is somebody told you. And you have the privilege of telling others. And you'll never regret that. Now, maybe you did it by simply reaching in your pocket and getting out a gospel tract and handing it to somebody. Uh, Maybe you did it by inviting them to church or or giving them a book. Uh, Maybe you did it by personally sharing the gospel with them and telling them how the Lord saved you. Doesn't matter how you did it. But one of the greatest thrills in life is getting to share the gospel with somebody else. My son was in Bible college. He's a pastor today. And in Bible college, they all had to have a a, a ministry that they did. And my son called me, and we were talking about the different ministries. I had to be involved in one. And he said, Dad, there's one ministry here, he said, that really has my interest. I said, what's the interest? He said, it's called the truck driver ministry. He said, one of the largest truck stops in America is located not too far from this Bible college. And he said, they go up there and share the gospel with truck drivers every Sunday morning. They hold a service for them. And he said, Dad, you know, traveling with you, we've been in hundreds and hundreds of truck stops. And boy, I like truck stops. Some of the best food in America is in a truck stop. The wonderful thing is there's nothing healthy there. It's all good stuff, all right? And he said, Dad, I think maybe I'd like to do the truck stop. Well, he was praying about it, and he called me back. He said, Dad, I think Phil led to do the truck stop. I said, great. Man, he called me Saturday. He said, tomorrow morning will be my first day at the truck stop, and we prayed together. And I said, man, I pray God does something good. Sunday afternoon, he calls me. I said, how'd it go, Matt? How'd it go? Oh, he said, terrible. He said, Dad, worse than terrible. It was awful. I said, what happened? He said, well, they gave us a little room at the truck stop, 
And he said, seven truck drivers came in. And he said, the guy heading up the ministry, he said, Daddy, he stood up and started to yell at them. And he told them they're no good and that they're bad. And God didn't even want them to be a truck driver. And he said, one by one, they left. And he said, when the last guy left, he said, the guy running it said, well, they just can't take hard preaching, that's all. He said, Dad, that isn't how you do it, is it? He said, I never saw you do it like that, Dad. I said, Matt, that's not how you share the gospel. You share the gospel by telling them about a Savior who loves them, who loves them so much that he gave his life to make it possible for them to go to heaven. He said, well, we got a little problem. I said, what's the problem? He said, the guys that have been doing it are so discouraged because every week next to nobody comes and at the end nobody's there. He said, they all resigned and I'm the new head of the truck stop ministry. <laughs> I said, you're the head of it. He said, yeah. I said, well, Matt, let me give you a little advice. Be kind and share the gospel. He said, well, I'm thinking about how to do it. About Thursday, he called me again. He said, I think I know what I'm going to do. He said, Dad, Saturday night. He said, you know how many Saturday nights we've been at truck stops? I said, yep. He said, I'm going to go up there and knock on all their doors. And he said, I'm going to tell them, if you'd like, I'll come around Sunday morning and wake you up in time to come and share in our service. And he said, and if you'll tell me, my wife, and he said, a bunch of girls we got at the college have all gotten, and we want to make donuts to order for you. So we'll give you a donut. You tell us how you want them. We'll, you, you want chocolate fudge on them. You, you want maple. You want them plain. You want sprinkles. You, we'll make a dozen for you. And then if you tell us what kind of lunch meat you like, we will make a sandwich for you and a lunch to take with you when you leave. My son had gone to a businessman, and he said, I got no money. But he said, would you help me? I want to reach those men, and I need a little help. That businessman said, nobody's ever tried to reach him. That's as great. Well, he went up there and knocked on all these doors, and these truck drivers said, you mean you'll, you'll make donuts to order? He said, yep, I got these girls ready to work all night. He said, tell us the sandwich you want. He said, we just want to love on you a little bit. And would you come and hear the gospel? Well, first Sunday, instead of having seven, he had 70. <laughs> and the next Sunday, they had like 200. And pretty soon the guy running the restaurant said, Everybody wants your donuts. <laughs> so he said, how about if we do this? How about if on Sunday morning you take over the restaurant, just promise me you won't do this all week. <laughs> and you know what? People started hearing there's a God who loves them and wants them to know how to get to heaven. Oh, did they get excited. My son got a letter, 
And this lady said, my husband, for 25 years, I begged him to go to church. He'd never go. But this afternoon, my husband called me and said, I got saved. She said, you got saved? How did that happen? He said, honey, it was at the truck stop. She said, you got saved in a truck stop. How in the world? He said, honey, it was the donuts. It was the donuts. You know what she wrote, my son? I don't know what you put in your donuts, but praise God for your donuts. She said, my husband's going to be in heaven for all eternity because you shared the gospel with them. That's what this is about. Oh, my. A decision you'll never regret is asking Jesus to save you. A decision you'll never regret is making it possible for somebody else to hear the good news. There's a third decision you'll never regret giving by faith so that somebody else can go where you can't go. Where somebody can take the gospel message to people where you'll never get to go. Most in this room will never get to New Zealand. They'll never get to Thailand. They'll never get to Togo. But you know what? By faith, we can give so others can go and give the gospel message. How would you feel if you lived in a gospel-parched part of the world where there was nobody there to tell them how to get to heaven? How would you feel if you knew that there were people who could make it possible for others to come. Oh, I'd want someone to come tell my kids. I'd want someone to come tell my precious wife. I'd want someone to tell me. And that's what we do by faith. You see, God says, if you just put it in, I'll make sure you always have, it's my promise, so that you can continue to give. But it's by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Please listen to this and I close. I find there's three kinds of givers. There's people who give to God just politely. They sort of give God a tip. God, I won't really miss this. And I just want to sort of give something just, just to be kind. And you know what? I've made gifts like that. Boy, the, the Girl Scouts come around and they say, Oh, Mr. Gibbs, every year you buy our cookies, you're going to buy more, right? And I say, Nah, I'm going to buy some more, more, more. Uh, I, I want to help. And you know what? It's not the cookies. I just want to be nice to those kids. I want to be gracious to them. Boy, they come to our door and I want to encourage them. And so I'll buy the Girl Scout cookies. And I don't know why the Boy Scouts haven't figured out there's money in cookies, all right? And, and, and you just give to be polite. God's not asking you to give to be polite. There's a second kind of giver. And it's what I call the calculated giver. 
And that's the giver who says, God, I think I have figured it out where I can give you this amount and not mess too much up. I've calculated it. Now, that's not faith giving. You see, every one of us has something in us that wants to calculate it, to figure it out. Do you know what faith giving is? It's not polite. We're not just giving a tip. And it's not calculated. It's God, how much do I want you to do through me? God, I want to get the gospel to this world. And I believe you want to use me. God does. You'll never regret giving by faith. Yeah, but David, I, I don't know how I'd come up with this amount. God doesn't say, I want you to know how. That's calculated giving. God says, I want you by faith to say, this is what I'm going to try to give. And God, by faith, you've got to provide it. Do you remember what he said? If you do your giving, he will make it where it always abounds back to you so that you can continue. For some in this room, I imagine you've never done it. Oh, listen, today's going to be a great day. By faith, you're going to make it possible for people around the world to hear about Jesus Christ. You'll never regret asking Jesus to save you. You'll never regret sharing the gospel with somebody. My son still gets letters from those truck drivers now 10 years later saying in a truck stop, you offered me donuts and a sandwich. And I came and I got way more than donuts and a sandwich. I got a savior. Praise God. And you'll never regret investing in the work of Christ by faith. How big's your God? And how much can you trust him? Oh, listen, he's all-powerful. And he's never one time broken his word. You can trust him. In a minute, there's going to be a card in your hand. And by faith, you're going to say, this is what I would like God to do through me. Not calculated, but by faith. And get ready for God to keep his word. I've made a lot of decisions that didn't turn out too hot. Everybody has. But there's three decisions you never regret. Asking the Lord to be your Savior. If you're here and you've never done that, oh, my friend, this morning, you can change your destiny for eternity. A second decision is sharing the gospel with somebody else. Man, I've had the privilege to hand gospel tracts to people on airplanes, standing in lines, my neighbor. My son just recently went up and down our street, and he said, you know, I'm... I'm going off to college and may never see you again, but I want to share with you 
the most wonderful thing in my life. And he gave everybody on our street a gospel tract. Man, our phones went ballistic. People started calling, crying, saying, I never had anybody care for me like that. Boy, what a wonderful thing to share Christ. And a third decision, by faith. Would you be willing, would you be willing to simply take him at his word and say, Father, I want to please you. I'm not doing this of necessity or grudgingly. I'm doing this because I love you. And cheerfully, this is what by faith I want to see you do through me. Bow your head in prayer. Father, oh, what a precious thing this morning to be able to do this. What an honor, what a delight. We live in a day when this whole world needs to know about Jesus Christ. And Father, we want to do this where it honors you. Heads bowed. How many of you say, David, this morning, I really want the Lord to, to help me by faith to do something that would get the gospel to people all around the world. And, and I don't want to give calculating. I don't want to give just to be polite. I want to give the one way that God said pleases him, by faith. And David, God helping me this morning, pray for me. Because I want my faith to be bigger than it's ever been. You see, our faith is tied to how much we trust him. And you can trust him. He's never failed. And some came this morning, I imagine, with a number or maybe something in their mind. Boy, would you by faith trust him more? David, pray for me this morning. God spoke to my heart. And by faith today, I want God to help me give because I want to see the gospel go throughout the world. And David, pray that God had helped me increase my faith this morning. That's my heart's prayer. If that's true, hold your hand up right now. God, oh, God bless you. I want God to help me increase my faith. Take your hand down. I wonder if you're here this morning and you say, you know, I've never asked the Lord to save me. I'm not sure I am heaven bound. If, if I was going to be dead at sundown, and boy, I sure hope neither of us is going to be. But if I wasn't going to be here at sundown, David, I'm not sure where I'd spend eternity. But I'd like to have my sins forgiven. I'd like to know heaven's my home. I'd like to know that what Jesus did paid for my sins. Would you let me pray for you? I'm not sure about that, but I'd like to be sure about that, David. Maybe you know a little, maybe you don't know too much. Maybe you know a lot. Going to heaven isn't based on how much you know. The Bible says it's based on asking. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you let me pray for you? I'd count it an honor. David, I'm not sure I'm heaven bound, but I'd like to be. Would you slip your hand up right now so I can pray for you? Just hold it up high enough for me to see. 
God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you back there. Who else? Just remember me in prayer this morning, David. Father, you see these hands. Oh, by faith. By faith, we want to do what honors you. And Father, I pray for these dear people that have said, I'm not sure I'm heaven bound, but I'd like to be. I remember when I raised my hand. Boy, what a war was going on inside of me. And Father, this morning, my prayer is that no one will leave here without knowing you. I want everyone to keep their heads still bowed. And you know, I want to lead this entire congregation in a simple prayer, a salvation prayer. And, and if you're saved, would you still pray it again out loud? And if you're not saved, would you pray it right now? Everybody repeat after me and say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I ask you right now to be my Savior. I accept what you did when you paid for my sins. Come into my life. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. You know what God says? Ask and you'll receive. Man, if you've asked the Lord to come into your heart, he's promised to do it every single time. And somebody says, but how does he do it? Doesn't tell us how, just promises that he does. And boy, I'll tell you, this church is full of people who can testify. When I asked, he saved me. Oh, my. How many of you are thankful you have a Savior who saves? Oh, boy, where would we be without that? Now, would you do me a favor? Get your card in your hand. Get your card in your hand. And would you just take a look at what it says? You don't have to put your name down there. But, you know, I always like to put my name on my faith promise card because I, I want people to pray for me. I want people to help me keep my commitment to the Lord. They'll never send you a bill. Uh, they'll never done you for this. Well, I'll tell you what that you've ever signed up for payments somewhere, they done you the minute. That's not what this is about. This is by faith. And then would you look how much right down there and take a moment right now with that card in your hand. And if your mate is sitting with you, turn to your mate. And it's time to make a decision we will never, ever regret. How much by faith are you going to ask for God to do through you? Fill that card out right now. Get it in your hand because we're going to pick it up just shortly. And some of you say, there's a little war going on in me. I, I kind of had one amount in mind and now I'm one. You know what? You will never err by trusting God more. Never. Never. And I know where you're at. My wife and I do this. As many years as we've done with Faith Promise, God starts working on us. And boy, by the time we fill out our card and turn it in, we've crossed it out five times. And that's wonderful because it means 
my mate and I are trusting God at ever-increased levels. And in having done Faith Promise at our church for over 25 years now, God's never failed to deliver. Not one time. You can trust him. Say, God, my God's that big. Fill that card out right now. Lance, lead us in some music, would you please, while you're filling it out. Thank you. Oh, listen, thank you for giving to the Lord. You'll never, ever regret giving by faith. There is an eternal, eternal reward. Our ministry at the Christian Law Association, we are legal missionaries. And we are lawyers who defend God's people. We've done this since 1969, and we do it without making a charge. We do it by faith. And you say, no, 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 no. Somehow those lawyers are charging. I ask you to take me at my word as a gentleman. I believe this church would tell you they do it as a ministry. And last year, 150,000 first-time phone calls asking for help. And I want to ask you to do something that would be of enormous help to us. This church graciously supports us. We have the privilege of being missionaries supported by this wonderful church. Thank you for doing that. But there's something I want you to do. Every month we send out a newsletter. It's called The Alert. And I'm asking you, would you please pray for some of these cases? On the front page of our newsletter, we give a prayer checklist. Now, I promise you, when you're sued for the faith, you'll want people to pray. But there are others who need your prayers right now. And I believe your prayers can make all the difference in the world because the Bible says you have not because you ask not. People come up to me all the time and say, boy, your lawsuits and your newsletter are so interesting. Don't you ever forget this. A lawsuit's only interesting when it's not your lawsuit. When it's your lawsuit, it's terrifying. Would you pray for these people? Ushers, come on forward with those envelopes if you would real quick. I want the ushers to grab them and come right back in. All you have to do is say, David, now it costs us money to send that to you, but David, send us that newsletter, and I will make a commitment to give you 30 seconds a month. Not a day, not a week, and I don't think 30 seconds a week or a month is a lot, but a month. Would you please say, if you send it, I'll pray for those cases. That's what we're... How many of you already get our newsletter? Hold your hand up. Oh, a number of you. How many of you say, David, send me that newsletter. I'll pray for those cases. Hold your hand up, would you? Now, ushers, give an envelope to everybody whose hand is up. Hand them right out. Now, please fill this out the minute you get it because we want you to fill it out now and turn it in as you're leaving right back at the reception desk, right out in the, the hall right there. We want to get these back. Ladies, don't put it in your purse. What goes in a lady's purse is never seen again. It's a goner. And guys, more deadly than anything is your pocket. Man, you jam it in your pocket, that'll be the end of that rascal. You know what? These envelopes get prayed over by pastors and moms and dads and businessmen that, that we have the privilege of serving. 
And would you please fill that envelope out. Give us your name and address. Print so we can read it. And we will faithfully send you our newsletter. And all we ask from you is when you get it, would you take 30 seconds and pray for those cases. To this church, thank you, thank you, thank you. Pastor, thank you for letting us be one of your missionaries. And now would you help us in America defend the cases by praying. Fill that envelope out, take it and give it right back as you leave today. God bless you, church.